0: I think that open was so loud it like cut out some decibel levels were reached on that one
1: it's like when you have the the shot on the youtube video and it just like bottoms out
0: the sound (laughs) sound good start good start so i don't know about you dude in richmond but it was amazing outside today like 75 not a cloud in the sky light breeze and there were three inches of snow on the ground about a week ago when i woke up
1: yeah, dude, it's been pretty jacked. A few it's, weeks ago, went and kayaked because it was eighty, and then last weekend it snowed, and then
0: today it's seventy-five. So that's Kentucky in a nutshell, pretty I much. Mean, April in the Ohio Valley. Yeah, it's always sure. nuts. What's uh, good. what's what's on the menu this evening?
1: It is a hazy little thing IPA from Sierra Nevada,
0: which is one of my favorite breweries
1: mm. that I nice. frequently visit. So I'm not well, drinking not visit, a beer, but, visit but their uh, beers.
0: I'm still drinking. You ever heard of Monaco's so, they're like cocktails in a can delicious I did I had one at your birthday party which might just did. turn 30 last weekend I did turn 30 so, last weekend I'm officially thinking in the old man club right knees are gonna give out it's all gonna be good I to yeah. yeah I think I think your <laughs> wife Audrey just kept telling me like you're gonna start waking up and like your knees and elbows and neck's gonna be more sore I was like don't don't put that evil on me I'm not ready for that okay I <laughs> don't know time put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby <laughs>
2: You see, though, we all marched drum corps, so we were 30 at the age of 20, basically. That's a
0: good point. We'll see. All right, well, as you can see, we have a guest today, but we'll introduce him here in a minute. I'll go through my Mm -hmm. intro spiel as quickly and concisely as humanly possible. Welcome, everyone, to the Aged Out Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Fantini, and with me, as always, is... Evan Wolf. And like I said a second ago, before we intro the guests, click subscribe on the YouTube channel if that's where you're watching... Uh, Drop a comment, join the conversation, let us know what you think uh, about anything we've said, our opinions, all the usual, blah, 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 share the video with anyone you think might enjoy our content, smash that like button, all that stuff helps with the algorithm. If you're on podcast services, make sure you're subscribed, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at agedoutpodcast, hit up patreon.com slash agedoutpodcast to support us financially if you so desire. You can give as little as just $1 a month. You know, We recently bought a webcam, going to be trying to figure out the video reaction videos and everything here soon, and maybe eventually even video podcasts, but we haven't decided about that yet. So, but if not, we still appreciate the viewership. You're welcome here anytime. Check out lonestarpercussion.com. Use the discount code aged out to save $10 on any order of $50 or more. That's basically like three pairs of drumsticks, a pair of mallets, like pretty solid deal. Everybody wins there. They'll take care of you, lonestarpercussion.com. Well, now that I'm out of breath, Evan, I'll pass to you and take it over. (laughs) For sure. So I'll intro our guest here, which is a gentleman that
1: I've been in proximity to several times, but never actually talked to in person, heard a lot about through some mutual friends. Uh, but joining us out from California is Brandon Zaki. Welcome, man.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, man. It's good. Uh, we have a. We were doing a little bit of brief just back and forth before mm-hmm. we got started which we'll revisit, but already found out that we have a lot of mutual friends that we drummed with either at school or drum corps or just were taught by. Uh, It's a pretty small world in the drumming community. We've said it on here several times, like two degrees separation. Exactly.
2: (laughs) It's funny how that happens.
1: So, yeah, man, just kind of take us away. Obviously, we know who you are now in the fact that you're a world-class musician drum set quad player but there was a journey to get there so take us through it
2: yeah I mean I'm basically I started playing drums at the age of nine grew up in in Southern California started on started on drum sets so I started as like a wee little lad you know uh, <laughs> played drum set for a really long time but I didn't really like I feel like I didn't really take drumming too seriously until I was in like high school and then I got into the marching stuff and that kind of helped to like really get me into it you know what I mean like I was like I took lessons and stuff but to me it was just kind of was like a you know it was like a fun thing you know but I wasn't like like super gung-ho about it and then I got really into the marching stuff and then when, once I was marching I didn't really like play drum set that much until I aged out really like I took like close to like 10 years off of the drum set pretty much uh, I mean other than, other than just like random little like you know here and there like yeah damn and that stuff. but like it's I didn't I don't even think I set up, like, my own kit, like, the whole time I was marching. So, I was pretty much, like, <laughs> I feel like I'm the kind of person, you know, when I'm doing something, like, I'm, like, either, I'm either, like, super into it or I'm not into it at all, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, so when I was marching, I was, like, pretty much just gung-ho about that. Um, I started doing drum corps when I was, like, uh, 16 or something like that in, uh, 05. Yeah, pretty young. I think it was a, I was, like, a junior in high school. Um... But, yeah, I went to uh, Chaparral High School, Just a like, not really that great of a high school. We were, like, a little A-class drumline. Um, but you I say had – But
1: a lot of, like, the drumlines in California, like, A-class out there is kind of, like, a different an A-class in a lot of yeah, other places. Yeah, that's true.
2: I mean, <laughs> we were A-class and we weren't that good. But we – I mean, we had – I was very fortunate to have very good people in front of me, very good instructors and very good drummers around me. Um. And you know i think it's kind of funny is like i feel like a lot of people that go on to do a lot of stuff don't really go to like the really really good high schools you know what i mean like like all the people from like ayala and Tino hills like maybe a couple of them will go on in march but like for the most part they kind of
1: we've talked about that before we like have, I think it's yeah. such a high level experience at a young age that you kind of like burn yeah. out
2: yeah they're like all right we got it We're, you know i, I get what's <laughs> gonna happen it's gonna be the same thing but i'll have to pay money to do it yeah i've been there <laughs> yeah, done that kind of thing right. <laughs> Yeah. So whereas, like you know, the A class, a lot of the A class kids, it's like they're really hungry for, for, a high achievement. You know. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. But anyway, so we went to uh, Chaparral High School, and then I started marching at uh, Yamato. It was the first drum corps march in 2005. Um, oh wow. Are they yeah. based out of California? Yes, they were at at RCC. Actually, we practiced. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, or at least for a little bit, and then I think we practiced at like a school and merino valley too um but anyways yeah they folded that Mer, yamato was cool because it was like half japanese members and half american members was the way it worked. interesting was it an open class group at the time or were they it was, yeah it was well back then it was division or Div- 1 2. Or three yeah we were different yeah. three okay so, so yeah we were pretty small we actually medaled in three i think we got like third or something second yeah i still have that metal somewhere it's in a Heck box yeah. somewhere <laughs> yeah but so we, we were pretty tiny i mean the horn line was probably like 15 people or something you know what I mean? oh, wow. it was like yeah. <laughs> and the battery was like five snares three quads five bass drums you know so the battery is probably like as big as the horn line almost. i was gonna say like overpowering the whole horn. Horn, like, line.
0: <laughs> your <laughs> entire book was written at piano
2: <laughs> exactly exactly i don't know i feel like I mean, we still played pretty fat but um Anyway, so well, I uh, there I was taught by, like, Pete Sapanen was the head. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he was – yeah, it was pretty awesome to have Pete, especially at, at a young age, you know, because, like, at my high school, I was really fortunate because I had uh, Pete Lucero and Jared Andrews. Oh, nice. You yeah. know those guys. But both of them marched Blue Devils. So it was, like, at my high school, I had two Blue Devil quadrummers teaching me. You know what I mean? It's, like <laughs> I feel like not that many people – are fortunate enough to say that you know what i mean like yeah no definitely lucky yeah i was like really surrounded by good good hands and a lot of good information and you know i just like i took lessons with both of them for a long time and then i like i would just try to like hang out with them as much as possible and you know like ask them like like hey like what, how do you do this like teach me like a i I remember learning like a couple cadet slicks from jared and like i couldn't really play them at tempo but like i (laughs) learned them you know what i mean it was like yeah yeah like some blue devil stuff from pete you know so it was like really cool just to be able to like especially like then it was like 2005 you know There youtube wasn't really like a thing right and there wasn't that many places to find like videos and sheet music so like to have those guys in front of me and like have them teaching me that stuff was like i don't know it was kind of like incredibly valuable even more valuable than i feel like it would be today you know what i mean yeah, for kids. Sure. Kids yeah, nowadays, I,
0: I feel like, don't really understand how like yeah. much better they have it because of YouTube and the exposure and just like wealth of yeah. knowledge out there on the internet now. Like in oh five, six, seven, eight, like nothing was there. It was just yep. who did you know locally to learn from? Did you happen to have a friend or a, or a classmate that marched drum corps that could teach you and help you get better? Like it was no <laughs> video lessons everywhere for free from all the different drum companies and so, yeah.
2: There's like so, there's so much stuff, and there's there's grid book, you know, there's like on, people do online lessons and stuff, yeah. you know, it's just like, there's okay. so much, yeah. so much more information available nowadays. It's crazy. Um, it's
1: great. We, like, we actually did a podcast with Pete and we were just talking about how like, it's all tribal knowledge, like passed on by like word of mouth or like person exactly. to person. And like back then in like the mid and early two thousands, like the access to that information was very small. Like you were saying, like you were taught by them in person mm-hmm. firsthand so you had the access unfortunately uh, yeah. now people can get that through online mediums and exactly. stuff which is pretty cool exactly um but yeah, so jared, yeah shout out kentucky boy
2: exactly i'm sure jared will come up several times because he taught me a lot of places <laughs> yes. um but yeah so then i so i had like pete lucero and jared teaching me in my high school so that was like super super sick but then i went to yamato and pete sapon was there and it was i don't know i Really, like, I can't explain how much I benefited from Pete Zappadin at the time. Like, he was a little harsh, you know, I feel like, as far as like for me, like being like 16, he was like a little intense, you know, like I never, like, yeah, I had never like experienced any instructor like that. Like, I don't want to say mean, you know what I mean? But he was like, he would like, he would definitely tell you like it is and he wouldn't bullshit, you know what I mean? He was like, and if you didn't give him the respect that he thought he deserved, he was not afraid to to put you in your place. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I, um, I
0: met Pete at Blue Stars auditions in 2010 because he was around mm-hmm. for a little bit from his connection to Tom Monks and stuff. And he, okay, yeah. if, I remember like the first night of the first Friday camp, he literally like told some high school kid, like had him play something. He goes, dude, that was not good. And like, he just is super blunt. But yeah. you know, like there's, there's a benefit to that. Like if totally. you're 16, I'd rather be 16 and have someone go, dude, you're that was terrible. You need to do X, Y, Z and figure this out. And he's like, he was always a big proponent of don't get your feelings hurt. Like we're all trying to get better here and figure this out. But he just did not hold back. It was like that was bad if it was bad. So it was really, it was really interesting to be exposed to that kind of an instructor for the first time, and it was, it was refreshing too. It was cool.
2: He definitely has like that old school, no bullshit approach. You know? Yeah. Um, But yeah. So, but like, what I really like took away from Pete was foot timing. You know, and that was something that I, we had, you know, I had learned in high school, but it wasn't like as much. Like, Pete stressed that more than like anything. Like, we would play like 16th note grade at like 50 beats per minute or something like that. And like, if your feet weren't in time, it was like, sure. you know what I mean? It was like, so, I mean, and like at the time, it was like, all right, you know, like, why are we doing this? You know what I mean? It's like, I get it. It's marching band. Your feet got to be in time. But like, what I realized after that was when I marched like everywhere else, and I marched like a lot of places after that, there was that my feet were never an issue ever. You know what I mean? Like I can never remember getting like called out for foot timing or like being out of step or any of that stuff. So like having that drilled into me when I was 16 was kind of crazy. Cause I never had to worry about that. I was able to worry about other things, you know, like building chops or like technique or like marching technique, you know what I mean? Like, or whatever, you know what I mean? It was so nice to like not be that guy getting called out for not being able to mark time and stuff and stuff like that. You know what I mean? And like, and you know, I just realized it was like, everywhere I auditioned you had to do something like that you know what I mean? where it was like all right we're gonna play the grid and we're gonna do this with our feet and like that you know what I mean so it was like it really was like kind of crazy that at you know at the, like I was saying at the time it was like okay this is kind of sucks you know like PT on at me my feet aren't in time you know like whatever but it was like after that year it made everything else for me in my marching career so much easier so I was really grateful like it was
1: really foaming out the mouth, like licking your chops. Like, all right, we're going to do some grid. Got this. Let's go.
2: Exactly. Yeah, it's like, I remember like uh doing like, I think it was our, the first time I auditioned for RCC winner line. We played like a bunch of grid variations and it was like me and the, the dude who was a section leader at the time, this guy Kendall, were like the only ones that were like making it through all the variations. And it was like, I was like, damn, I might actually make this. <laughs> I got cut. I got cut, but it was like... <laughs> I don't know. It was just kind of cool, though, because I was like, you know, I think I was like 18 or something, and I was like hanging with a dude who was like 21, and had already marched Blue Devils for like two or three years, you know, so it was like kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of crazy. Um, it is funny, though. It's like, I feel like those kind of things, it's like the grids are kind of, they seem so simple, and it's easy to kind of be like, oh, it's like, you know, just 16th and or triplets and move the accent and whatever, but it's like that kind of stuff applies to so many things that you don't even realize, and like mastering them is, opens up your vocabulary and just like feet timing and timing in general, it's like, I don't know. So the guy, the guy that
0: taught me in high school was was big on the triplet and sixteenth note grid, while putting <clears throat> all kinds of rudiments in it, and that was a strength that I had going into drum corps camps. Like I was one of the only people in those rooms in that like 9 '10, '11 that could grid flam drag on two and keep mm-hmm. my feet in time. And like I remember going to Glassman auditions in '09 and I made it pretty far, uh, but. Even the vets, like I was gridding stuff with the snare tech that the vets were like, I don't, I don't know what that is. I can't do that. Is so that that like, it's it's been forgotten a little bit. People still grid stuff, but not like it was in like yeah. the '90s and early 2000s. And my instructor always told me when I was 16, 15, was like if you can grid all the main rudiments, there is nothing an, an arranger can put in front of you that you can't keep your feet in time to and cannot play or haven't played at some point within a grid. Yeah. So. It's just, it's, it's a lost art almost a little bit, but totally. it's, it's a great thing.
2: Totally. I mean, I think like you, you have like a grid book. They're doing their, their thing, but like, uh-huh. I feel like even then it's like, their thing is almost evolved into just like all around marching percussion stuff. You know what I mean? Instead of yeah. like, yeah. Pressing like the, you know, like all the grid variations and stuff, which is cool. You know, I get it, but just saying, um, yeah, <laughs> just, <laughs> just, saying. So. you're right. No, you you're totally to... right. Is what I'm saying. I'm agreeing with you. is like, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, it's, it, is, sure. it is a bit of a lost art form. So,
1: dude. so you got the peat treatment. Practice
2: your grits, kids. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> yeah, it's the moral Don't of that. the story. They never
1: <laughs> go out of style.
2: <laughs> exactly.
1: So you get the peat treatment. Um, yeah, and then you got move on treatment. to Esperanza, right?
2: Yeah, march Esperanza in 2006, which I actually I tried out for Esperanza in 05, but got cut. The reason I, one of the reasons I got cut was because I in my high school we had the baby quads. And the shallows. I, oh yeah like the yeah like it, it was like you know 8 10 12 or 8 10 12 or 13 or
1: something like that you know I mean? okay
2: yeah uh, so when we marched at the 05 Esperanza auditions I put on like big quads for the first time in my life and it was like I was dying it was bad <laughs> <laughs> and I think when I was like you know 15 or I was like trying to have, like 15 or 16 or something, I was like you know I probably weighed like hundred and. 40 pounds maybe you know I mean? I was like a <laughs> skinny little thing the drums were always like yeah it kicked my ass so so i didn't make it no five you know i pretty much got cut from like every drum line i ever marched the first time i tried out almost <laughs> it's like, it funny go, how kids. That. don't be discouraged yeah. Dude, seriously like i definitely like clawed my way up the ranks you know what i mean like i always had good people in front of me and teaching me but i didn't walk into anywhere like right away you know it wasn't like i i was taught by so many blue devils, but it wasn't like guaranteed that i made the blue mm-hmm. you know, i got yeah i got cut from blue holes the first time i tried you know you know it was just like it was for sure it was like i worked my way up the ranks and which i feel like is still is very important you know you gotta at the top groups even if you're like smoking if you don't really have like world-class experience they're still gonna be hesitant to take you or won't take you at all for sure you know?
0: for sure definitely yeah. So I have to ask about Esperanza 06 real yeah. quick while we're on this topic because I did a little bit of real research cool. and found a couple lot videos before who we got on here. And okay. were you guys taught by uh, BD alumni? Yes.
2: Yeah, there okay. was a lot. <laughs> there was a lot of them. There was, okay, so it was Jared Andrews was a quad tech. Okay. Them. So I was taught by Jared again there. Uh, Miguel Guadarrama was also a quad who, if you don't know Miguel,
1: 03, March 03, BT? Yeah,
2: he marched, like, uh, oh, one, oh, 104 or something like okay. that? Okay. Maybe, like, five years, something like that. Uh, maybe 2000, even. But Miguel is, like, basically, like, the reason people play quads like they do today, I feel like. Like, Miguel and, like, mm. Rudy Garcia. They, before that, you know, you look at, like, the videos of, like, like the late nineties quad drummers and then right at like 2000, there's like a weird switch. There's a shift. In, in everything got a little played. bit flatter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the heights got a little bit different. Like they started playing with sticks instead of mallets. <laughs> the way yeah, they had the too. drum setup was different. And like all of that, not all of it, but a lot of it was like Miguel. You know what I mean? It was like, I remember that like Oh
1: one BD very specifically that away. They blue show. And like, everything oh, was just shit. like stylized and like, uh, yep. Was it Devin Namiki or Namiki? Was in that quad Uh, line or something? Yeah, I think he was a glassing
2: guy. Was he? I think so, maybe. Or I'm thinking somebody else. Um, Yeah,
1: yeah. I remember that that switch you're talking about. Like it went from like 99, 97 BD, where it was still a lot of wrist, but then it like everything's almost flattened out the way they moved around.
2: A little bit more arms. Like they started like moving more. Everything. I feel like at that point, quadrology kind of shifted to more of like an art form. You know what I mean? Versus just like. Playing what, yep. playing what the snares were playing on the quads, you know what I mean. Whereas like quadring itself became kind of a its own thing, you know.
1: Yeah, which I think we'll talk more about that in a minute too, because
2: I definitely want to pick your brain some about that. Definitely. But. So yeah, so it was really cool being able to learn from Miguel. He he actually teaches RCC now, or at least he has. Like the past couple of years, he's been in the quad tech there. So, so, yeah. Well, um, the reason I 20, asked that question yeah. was
0: because within two seconds of watching that video, I was like, oh, this is like uh, diet Blue Devils right now. Like the approach to the drum <laughs> was identical, like the the motion like yeah. a, of the snare line, the motion of the quad line. I was like, yeah, this has to be a Blue Devil staff. Yeah. It has to be.
2: It was. Well, actually, I mean, other than the quads, I don't think there was really any Blue Devils. Deal. Well, uh, the pit had a lot of Blue Devil people too. It was like Jim Wonderlick was riding. Mm-hmm. And I think Brian, Brian Dinkle was the guy kind of running the pit who is the bootable one of the bootable pit guys now. So, but I'm trying to think who the snare tech was Luke young. Do you know him? He was a cadet. Him. Yeah. He did RCC too. So he was a West coast guy, but he's marching cadets though. Okay. Um, and then, uh, but the, the guy running it was John Meeps. Oh, really? Uh, yes. So John Meeps was the, the arranger and the caption hit and stuff like that. Um, so not. Like, who's not really a brutal guy? You know what I mean. It was like so. Other than the quad line, it was mostly not really brutals. But you know, but <laughs> I guess there was enough people from around that area that it just like mm-hmm. kind of like that. You know I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So from Esperanza, I guess Jared, you followed Jared to Glassman, is what it seems like, because I know he I, went.
2: I did, yeah. Well, I tried out. So I tried out for holes in 07. Okay. Got cut. I, I do. I was doing pretty good. Um, but at the callback camp in like January, I was super sick. I had like it was like one of the most sick I was like one of the most sick I was like ever in my life. And I just was like not hanging. So I got cut. You know what I mean? It was just that was how it was. I was like I I had like walking pneumonia is what I had. So it was like Oh my gosh. I was hating it. I still went and still tried, you know, but it was just like it wasn't gonna happen. Um so I, you know, I was kinda of was like, Man, like, you know, boo devils was like my my main thing like i didn't have any i didn't have a backup plan you know what i mean so i kind of was like maybe i'll like try vanguard you know i think at the time it was like mike jackson doing vanguard um so i remember getting like the vanguard packet i learned all those exercises and stuff and then i was one day i was talking to jared this is okay so i was marching rcc fall who jared was the quad tech at rcc fall too so so he he taught well, he taught me there as well and I was just like, I was talking to him. I was like, I don't know what to do. You know, I think I might go to Vanguard. And he was like, well, I'm going to be at Glassman. And he's like, let me put it this way. He's like, you can go to Vanguard, but that's not really going to get you closer to Blue Dolls. You're going to have to change how you play and stuff like that. He's like, or you can just come with me to Glassman and you won't have to change how you play. You know, we'll just keep refining what you're doing. And yeah, so I was like, you know, that's a good point. So I followed him there.
1: So you and went I, to G West.
2: <laughs> I did. I went to G West. Yeah. That freaking... Condemned building. Adventure. it's like a ghost adventures set <laughs> it's like
1: <laughs> well for someone who like you were saying beforehand is into horror movies you're probably like i feel like this is a horror movie set
2: yeah this is pretty cool i i specifically like, remember like one night like getting up to go pee in the middle of the night at that place if you, if you don't know it was like a abandoned like school basically is where the, that the core bot from like glass is like broken out of the window yeah everything was like old and creaky and stuff and i remember getting up to go pee one night though and i swear i heard like whispering or something and i was like all right he <laughs> like, took off running back upstairs <laughs> just, that place is creepy and there was like it was like in the middle of cornfields like there's nothing around it yeah it's yeah
0: it's an experience to to stay there i only did for a few weekends of camps in 09 but I, I couldn't have imagined doing spring training there yeah, was I brutal. actually
1: auditioned at Glassman for the summer of 07. So I was there. Oh, I yeah. Got pretty nice. far. Um, Eric really liked me, but I think I psyched myself out being like a sophomore in high school or junior in high school or whatever I was. I was like, mm, I don't think I'm ready for this. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember G West also psyched me out because it was freezing cold and there was like no running water that weekend.
2: <laughs> Crazy. Well, see, I don't know. I think because. I was so in with Jared. I don't think I actually went there to audition. I don't Probably think up. Yeah, I think you know I sent in like a video or something. Maybe I can't remember, but because you're like it was freezing cold. I was like I don't remember it ever being cold there, and I feel like I would have remembered. Yeah, <laughs> it's like so I feel like maybe I. Oh no! You know what it was? It because I was doing Blue Devils, and yeah. I didn't get cut at Blue Devils until January. So it was like I don't think I went to Glassman until like. March or something, you know what I mean? It was like, or April, you know, it might've been like after
0: WGI or something.
2: Um, for sure. After, yeah.
0: And you got to spend a whole summer with our friend,
2: Dean Hickman. I did. Yeah.
0: And I love, Ryan love Glasso and Casey yeah. O'Neill.
2: Bunch of friends. Yeah. That's crazy. You guys know all those guys. I mean, I guess it makes sense. Cause they're from like Ohio. Mm-hmm. I always forget how close Ohio and Kentucky is. It's like, right. Like, yeah. Yep. Like neighbors. Right now.
0: Yeah.
1: Dean is a, a three hour drive for me, even though he lives in Columbus ohio okay. and that's like i mean you can drive like 12
2: hours in california and still be in the same state so you can yes i did it like all the time when i was doing Boodles. It was like <laughs> drove from drove from socal to san francisco basically it's like eight hours or so Jeez. yeah <laughs> do that like once a month for a few years or whatever <laughs> and you can drive to, like four states over here in that time exactly that's funny. That's how it is in like Europe too. Like I was on tour in Europe like a year ago, and it's like you drive like you drive eight hours. You drove through like four countries. You know, what I mean? it's like <laughs> that's well, funny to think. About. Yeah, unless you're in like Germany or something, that's like that's like the only one that's like big enough to take like you know hours to drive across. I guess, but it was funny. Nice. Yeah. Um. But yeah, glassman was sick. Like I really enjoyed my time there. It was a lot of fun. I mean, it was definitely I got. It was cool to get a little bit more of like an East Coast vibe, you know. Like we had Eric Ward kind of running things, and he definitely had. I I had gotten a little bit of it from like Pete Zappadin and like, but not to the extent that Eric had. You know, he was like pretty old school cadets, like. Yeah, you know what I mean. Touristic, Um, like, let's go. Yeah. Exactly. Like, here's a funny story about Eric that i remember specifically i think this sums him up like perfectly it's like there was one night or one day we were rehearsing and there the weather was like getting pretty bad and i remember we were like doing we were repping something like the drum solo or something like that like on the field you know like battery sections and uh it started like maybe sprinkling or something like that and he goes like it, you know we were all like oh all right we're we gonna like go inside now or like you know we're gonna go like it'd be you know go like i think we saw like the horn line like running inside we're like oh cool we're probably gonna go in here and then eric goes oh it's just a little like sprinkling you know that's not a big deal and he's like you know we can do it. We, can, we can keep we can keep going and we're like all right and then, <laughs> and then it gets worse right so it starts like raining real hard and eric's like no, oh, it's just a little rain like, okay we can keep going and we're like okay and like there was like lightning and thunder i swear to god and eric goes all right last rep like there was like lightning coming down it was like torrential <laughs> rain and eric's like all right we'll do one more rep we did one more rep like in the lightning thunder i'm pretty sure it started hailing at some point like i swear <laughs> it was like there was like hail coming down and eric's like oh we got another rep it was, you know it's, like, no, it was that, probably, would, that would calm. not fly
0: in drum core today
2: no way but you know at the, we kind of hyped it. it was, I thought it was hilarious. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. I, it Kind of sucked, but it was also like this is absolutely ridiculous. Like this is insane. Like I remember just like standing under like the little um, little blow dryers in like the bathroom with my shoes and like uh-huh. my drum cover, trying <laughs> to get it to dry for like hours after. <laughs> it was like so bad.
1: Oh my gosh.
2: I remember after that, like we would always say like this this dude uh, this dude Alex in the quad line was like, I heard one time. Eric Ward made the cadets scenario march through the eye of a tornado like you say. Shit <laughs> like <that.
1: laughs> actually I did hear a story about Eric that like he got cut from cadets like his first year, but just kept going back to camps and eventually they were like, All right, you're out uh,
2: honestly, I believe it. Like makes sense. Like, I wouldn't be shocked. <laughs> I yep. think it's I think it's actually true. I'm not gonna I I, think I believe it. Um yeah, I don't know. Where were we at? Glassman stuff? Yeah, uh, time uh, time to think. You know, the funny thing about Glaston was uh, every year that I marched drum corps it was like finals was in like Indianapolis pretty much or something like that it's like in Indy mm-hmm. but Glaston like I, I went to an east coast or midwest corps and finals was in California <laughs> <We're driving laughs> to Dina. To Dina.
1: <laughs> nice Yeah, I had the short commute home
2: it was pretty nice yeah just like just cheering to see guys exactly instead of like having to fly home or whatever yeah, yeah cool.
0: finals both summers that I marched ten and twelve was two hour drive from Louisville, Indianapolis wow. so like I just like it was so surreal in two thousand and ten. finals happened, retreat happened, and yeah. I mean we went and took photographs and stuff after retreat in the lot. I just like grabbed my stick bag, put my drum and uniform back on the truck and got my stuff off the bus, and I was in my bed in Louisville like two hours later, and I was just looking around like this is that was very abrupt. Like, that is crazy, yeah. It was wild, dude.
2: Especially both- since you're like you're so used to the whole drum corps thing, and then it's like a shock to your system. To like, yeah. Like, all right, I'm in bed. Like a few hours later.
1: Yeah, dude. Both, <laughs> both of my summers, the day after finals was like move in for college band camp. It was like the next day. So like, I remember Sunday after Saturday finals, I was like moving into school for like band camp to start Monday morning. And I was like, I'm going to need a block to just sleep. <laughs> you <laughs> yes. guys can, like, audition the freshman yeah. for the drum line. And like, I'm I've just going to, like, take nap.
2: I've been doing this all day, every day for a few months. I think I'm good. Like, I think, yeah. I'm, I think I'll be okay. No, I yeah. Him, like, like, <laughs> and,
1: and, like, Casey was there with us, Casey O'Neill from Glassman, <laughs> which I love Casey so much. Yeah. And we're, and we're good friends and all that, even though he's in Texas now. Is he who? See, yeah, i haven't, I just, see, I haven't
2: like, talked to him in so long that's crazy
1: yeah man he's living in texas he's
2: nice. got a kid damn wow. good for him <laughs> Tell tell him i said hi when the next time you talk to him
0: will do i will yeah i'll text him right now actually send <laughs> <him> <laughs> <more>. <laughs> evan i bet so, the text uh, you get back is going to be dude with like five years <laughs> exactly what yeah. he's going to send but no, I remember see. that I had to move back in to band camp for college at Moorhead. The same 2010, same thing, Evan, day after tour ended. And and Casey, like we did the auditions in the morning and he was like yeah. the section leader of Moorhead's drum line that year. And yeah. he just looked at me, Evan, after the line was set, he looked at me, Evan, and one other guy who had just gotten off tour uh, with Glassman actually in 10. And he was like, hey, you three can just like go sit for a while, like go chill in the shade. Like I'm going to beat their hands up. You just go hang out. <laughs>
2: That's awesome! Like you you earned it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So you did your your you did what Jared told you. Came to, refined you. Mm-hmm. Next year, the goal, BD, yep. got in. I made it. Was yeah. it like just this jubilation of like, all right, like I reached the mountaintop.
2: It was definitely yeah. It was definitely felt good. Mm-hmm. You know, but I felt like though, like I like killed the audition, but I still felt like. Um, I don't know that like I was not that I wasn't prepared. You know, like I had been like practicing so much, but it was like I don't know. I feel like I wasn't quite like ready, even though I was ready. <laughs> if that makes sense, I don't totally. know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was definitely was like super excited. I think I everybody I knew don't they I do something? It... <laughs> don't
1: they do something interesting there with like the uh? It's like I don't know the gauntlet or like the adelic or something oh, like that. The dog fight. The dog sweet. fight. Yeah, I yeah,
2: don't yeah. Know that's they the still do it. But yeah, it, it was that was a thing. That they at least we used to do like every year I auditioned. And it was basically it was like the tech. So like the first year I auditioned, it was either Sean Vega or actually yeah, I think the first year I auditioned with Sean Vega was like made up. You basically would do you'd like make up a bar of a lick. You'd be like you know so they set up four sets of drums and it's like all right let's get four people up there. He'd like make up the, a bar of a lick and then he'd, you know he'd play it like once or twice. he'd, like all right let's like give you a second to peck it out. And it's like all right let's try it. You tap it off. Give you a few reps, then you switch, and you're like, all right, let's try it. Tap it off, give you a few reps, whatever switch, go through everybody. Then you make up another bar. And then it's like whoever's on the drums, is like, all right, let's try it. You know, switch, try it, and then you make up another bar. You keep doing that. And it's basically it's like whoever can learn the lick the fastest stays up there the longest. As you know, I mean obviously it's like that's not the only thing that like determines your you making the line, but like it definitely helps.
1: It's pretty intimidating, it's, you know,
2: I'm sure. It, it's, yeah. Um, so yeah, the first year I did, I think Sean was doing it, Sean Vega, and then I, I think in 08, it was Tim Jackson was doing it because he was the quad tech in 08. and then maybe and then after that it was like Rudy the next few years. Um, but yeah, it was always definitely it was like intense, fun, but really, really stressful. <laughs> you know? Also know,
1: know Tim very well. Uh, Mike and I marched for the mix. Okay. For I did three years and Mike did two. So I know oh. Tim really well. Nice. Yeah, love Tim. Tim. Yeah, he's awesome.
2: Definitely, he's definitely one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. I've he heard. is very smart. <laughs> he's, you he know, like, is, he's too smart for his own good, I think. Is yeah, he like, starts talking about
1: grids and like start talking about like, um, he would write them out like from pressure points, like at the top left of a page where you're using like really open pressure points and open grip. And like as you would go through the middle of it, it would get like really front fulcrum heavy and like pinch type grids. And then it would uh, okay. ungrid as you got to the bottom right of the page. I was like, no we're not doing
2: that <laughs> i'm good that's crazy yeah that's cool i've never heard of that but, dude, yeah. Yeah. Saying, dude hey brandon it's been a while <laughs> nice it has been a long time i can't remember the last time i I feel like it was probably like when i was marching was the last time i saw him you know what i mean Like, mm-hmm. yeah probably yeah but yeah
1: tim jackson dogfight bd yep. in there so 2008 was the constantly risking absurdity show it uh, was, he was like, Ryan Klaus is in there. Forgot about that.
2: He was, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Know
1: Ryan? Do.
2: You guys know Matt Bowers too? Uh, the- uh, yeah,
0: I know yeah. who he is. But I don't know him. He taught Blue yeah. Stars a little bit in 2010. He was around a little bit during move-ins. Gotcha.
2: That's awesome. He's another person. I haven't heard from him in so long. Like I hear from Klaus occasionally, and like everybody else that I march with, but like Matt Bowers kind of disappeared. I feel like I don't know. Um, it's too bad though. I love that guy. I would love to met him, but Matt. I know was- he over,
1: <laughs> I know he overcame some uh, some obstacles to oh. play. Oh,
2: a- most <laughs> most certainly, yeah. It was really like in- inspiring that like, guy I- marching with him was pretty crazy, and he was like so good too. It was like yeah, that guy was a
1: machine. Like so, so, so for those who don't know, Matt Byers or Bowers or Bowers 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 was uh either like partially blind he or his he peripheral
0: vision. vision or I'm pretty like sure that was... he only has peripheral vision. Yeah, Correct me if has... I'm wrong.
2: I think everything in front of him is like incredibly blurry. And then he can see somewhat, or he could at the time see somewhat clear outside of his peripheral vision. Yeah.
0: So like I remember him, he was at Blue Stars during move ins. He would be looking at the quad line, like facing the quad line. And then mm-hmm. after the rep, he like made a comment to the snare drummers in front of him. And we're just like, what is happening? Until one of the <laughs> other quad techs was like, yeah, he, if he's looking at you sideways, like if he's facing you at like a right angle, he's yeah. looking at you. And if he's yeah. looking, he's facing you wild. directly, he's not looking at you. And I was yeah. like, that's great. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. I remember in his I and E solo, he
1: like
2: put a blindfold on him. I'm like, dude, this is what you do all the time. But <laughs> yeah, I like, it's like a difference. <laughs> uh... So funny yeah that guy he was crazy he was a machine so i remember like uh he tried out in 07 too when i that was his, his first year he made it right and i remember when i was trying out or we were in like a hotel room and like a bunch of people were drumming like you know the night before or like after like one of the saturday nights or something like that and he was like learning the accent tap exercise which if you don't know it's like a fairly long it's like that like that whole thing you know yeah, yeah, yeah um it's pretty long. Like, all the blue exercises are, like, unnecessarily long, I feel like, and, like, <laughs> complicated. Um, Dude, the flames uh, around. Oof. Yeah. Seriously. But he had never looked at it before. Um, and he had this little thing that was, like, probably, was, like, as big as, like, this. Like, like, as big as, like, a phone. And it, like, zoomed in. It made, like, each note, like, you know, like, four inches big or something like that. Right? And he, like, put it, like... I mean, obviously, it's a podcast. So nobody's going to see what I'm doing. But he, like, put it up against the paper, right? And he had his eyes like this. And he went over the whole thing for, like, 10 minutes like this. Just, like, staring so, at
1: like, it. Like, away from the yeah. screen?
2: Yeah. And he, he was like, all right, I got it. And then we were like, wait, okay, wait, what? And then we played it. And he played the whole thing and maybe, like, messed up once. Like <laughs> It was, like, the crazy, thing. Yeah, like, around and everything. He, like, memorized it just by looking at it, basically. You know what I mean? It was, like, insane. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. I was like, all right what the hell? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like, it's
0: what like, like, what am I doing?
2: He's got, like, some daredevil powers. You know what I mean? Or it's like, yeah. <laughs> all their senses are heightened. Dude. So crazy.
0: He um, was, anyway, so yeah, that guy was a machine.
2: But
1: That's pretty sick. Yeah. So definitely. then, uh, you get reunited with our friend Dean. So you guys stood center two at Glassman in 07, separate yeah. for a summer. And then you get reunited uh, for two summers, 2009, yeah. 2010 at BD, which are some pretty prolific quad lines through the years yeah um, good years you guys were all right uh- <laughs> yeah we were okay <laughs> it was all right. those tapes are pretty funny with the uh finals tape with jj it was obviously in the q5 it's like, mm, yeah perfect
2: yeah he's like oh yeah perfect <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was funny there was like i remember we had like in 09 we had a funny one from uh jeff prospery tape it was like after one of the shows i don't think it was like finals i think it was like a regional or something he's like quads he's like I'm assuming you guys are all men. He's like, if not, I'm sorry or something like that. He's like, but you guys have man chops. He said like something like that. <laughs> it was, like, so funny. It was That's like, such a
0: prosperous comment. A very, yeah, very like, prosperous comment.
2: Yeah, you guys have man
1: chops. Like Middle Tennessee. I think he judged the the Tennessee regional. What was that? Murphy's mm-hmm. Murfreesboro. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. No nine. He was there.
2: Because I was there. <laughs> That's probably it was where it was.
1: To be honest. It was really funny.
2: Yeah, those are are some good lines, man. It was good times.
1: Yeah, we used to talk mad crap about you guys, too. Oh, sure. (laughs) (laughs) I'm over here at Crown uh, Post summers. I'm like, bro, they over here sitting in chairs, and we're, like, sprinting our balls off, and they're just, like, roasting
2: us. Oh, That 09 Crown drum line was good, though, man. Like, that that show was sick. I I feel like that was, like, uh, other than, like, like they, they were really good like a year or two ago. But uh yeah, they've yeah, yeah. been but other than that, lately. like, I feel like the 09 was like the best Crown drum line ever. And then it was like they were like okay for a while, and then like lately they were been pretty good again. So, I don't yeah. know. but yeah, 09 was like, I always remember that being like a super sick super sick drumline.
1: What is it? Yeah, it was a fun summer. Uh, it
0: was challenging, but it was it was it had its rewards. They so. they hit the drum at the same time pretty frequently. <laughs> yeah, They're pretty good. Yeah. It was I mean, good, but like anything, I mean,
1: in the heat of competition, like looking back at it now, I'm just like, uh, you can like unbiased you can look at it a little bit less unbiased than I did when I was in it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> sure, so, yeah, I feel you. Totally.
1: But it's all good. But yeah, the and then the 2010 line you basically got to run it back with the same group, except you switched out uh was it Alex for Scott?
2: Yeah, for Scott Nelson. Yeah. Which was it yeah. was like that was like nothing though, because it was like I loved Alex. But, uh, and I mean, it would have been so sick to have, like, five with Scott in there, too, or whatever, but it was like, it was like, oh, man, we don't have Alex anymore, and it's like, okay, we'll have Scott, who we've already been drumming with. Like, I had already marched a year or two at RCC Winter with Scott, and, like, had already marched, like, a year or two at RCC Fall with him. So, it was like, I'd already been drumming with him for years, you know, and he's just just like, all right, we're just like, here you go, you know, it's like, nothing right in. (laughs) You know what I mean? Exactly. He's like, all right, nothing changed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I used to talk to Dean about it, too, and because he was like yeah I'm in like the middle. He's like, I don't know how, but I'm just like, somehow, I'm like in the middle of like these crazy talented people. He would always tell me, he'd always tell me about you. He'd be like, Yeah, Brandon never hits rims. He's like, I don't know how, but he just, he's like, he never hits rims. He's like, He was running the
2: drums better than anybody I've ever met. It's zones, kids. Practice your zones. That's how you don't hit rims. <laughs> he's always told me that for like a decade. He's
1: like, he just doesn't hit rims.
2: Yeah. The reason I – mean, I hit, like, way more rims now because I play quads, like, once a year, basically. But <laughs> but when I used to practice a lot – so, like, the, I feel like the reason – because I've had people ask me before, like, how did you, like, you know, not hit rims? I was, like, known – I was literally known for that, not just from Dean. Like, I've heard, like, several people say that. Um, But I had, like, this, like – when I was first learning quads, I had, like, this, like, old, like, Cavaliers real-feel quad pad. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It was, like – Was it, like, a small one? It was small, and it was, like – well, no, it was, like – it was, like, as big as, like, one of the, like, half – zymox pads or like a vic Firth,
1: okay but maybe a little bit
2: smaller you know what i mean like but it was definitely wasn't a full they weren't full circles you know but so you know how the old real fill pads had like the black rubber and then they had the gum rubber yeah yeah yeah. Uh Yeah. the, the drums were made of like the black rubber right like the black hard rubber but then in that like playing zones were this gum rubber thing so like where you put your sticks the problem was that they were set up for like cavalier playing zones which are different from how i was taught so <laughs> i would like practice like doing scrapes and stuff and i would only hit like the little black rubber part that was like in between everything so i i was like practicing for years on like this tiny little like thing like hitting like only these like small little like black rubber part
1: you, you're um, talking like, about like the cavalier zones, like more like the
2: a-frame yeah they were like more yeah. like that and then i feel like they you know when you, when you play scrapes on quads like at least like i don't know if it was like more of like a recent thing like when i was marching but you play like them as close together as possible you know what i mean right. to like conserve energy right so you're not gonna you're go not last. gonna hit
1: the middle of the one and then the top of the three you're gonna hit like the side of the one and then top exactly. of the Exactly.
2: you're gonna hit like yeah. an inch away from the rim of drum two and then an inch away from the rim of drum one like as tight as possible to conserve energy right um but I don't know if the Cavaliers didn't do that because their scrape zone was just the black rubber. So I practiced all my scrape zones just on this, like, tiny little, like, black rubber thing. <laughs> so that was, like, when it, how I learned to play quads was on this thing. So when I would play on, like, actual drums, I just, like, never hit rims. It was crazy. <laughs> I yeah, so you just got to practice your zones, kids. That's why, like, whenever <laughs> I have a student and they're like, what quad pad should I get? I always recommend getting the half pads. I never say to get a full pad. Cool. Like, as much as fun it is, as it is to have, like, look like actual drums, it's like, dude, you're never going to hit that part. Like, why, <laughs> why even give yourself the option? Yeah, it makes sense. You know what I mean?
1: You'll so, be able to hear that you're, or feel like you'll just overextend all the time because you can.
2: Exactly. You know what I mean? It's like, you're going to, like, yeah. It's like at times you got to, like, break the rules a little bit, but it's like, why even, like, give yourself the option to do that? Like, especially when you're first learning. That makes sense. sense. for sure. Yeah. So, anyways, but that's, yeah, that's how I, avoided rims at least that's my theory i don't I mean i don't know if it's a scientific thing at all but <laughs> worked so, out well for you yeah it did <laughs> it did i guess i remember when i of... when go I, ahead, auditioned, go ahead. I think it was in 08 when i made it they were like i think it was like tim and sean and they're like all right like play like you know this is the individual audition he's like all right play like a scrape lick or something and i played like some scrape thing i didn't hit any rims and they were like, oh, you, "I, yeah. I can tell they're impressed." They're like, "Can you do it faster?" And I played it faster. I like didn't hit any rims. They're like, "Can you do it faster?" And I it even faster. I think I maybe hit like one or something. They're like, "All right." And I was like, "Oh, I just made it. I'm pretty sure." <laughs> <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, this was my sure ticket. That just, that just clutched me my spot.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. It's funny too because now I talked to Dean, and he's like, "Yeah, like quad drumming to me." And I'm not a quad drummer, so yeah. Uh, by all means, I'm glad that we have more and more of them on here to uh, share the wealth of knowledge. But he's like, yeah, like, now, like, he's like, I used to be, like, so focused about playing quads. But on the back end, when I was, like, teaching and writing and arranging, he's like, I don't even care if there's, like, one in there. I just want to, like, see some cool rounds and something unique and something different. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, like, one of the things, it's like, it's, like, it's going to happen. I feel like sometimes it's, like, worth the, the risk, you know what I mean? To, like, you know, if there's, like, a rim here and there, it's, like, you know, it's okay. But actually, Which, you know, I shouldn't say that, but.
1: <laughs> which I think that you probably were involved and participated in one of the most iconic quad features ever. Um, Is that RC- which RCC yeah. uh, there was yeah, that RCC 2009? Yeah. There were a couple bangers good.
2: in there. <laughs> yeah, that quad line was really good. That was yeah. A classic.
0: That's a you, understatement of the century.
1: You <laughs> and Nick and Jeremy and Ryan and Scott, right?
2: Yeah
0: yeah
2: yeah stacked it was crazy yeah because it was like i remember that line like specifically i remember it was like uh our like last like four shows were like like amazing i remember like it was just like it was like obviously finals and like you know prelims or whatever at wgi were like really good runs but like i even remember like scpa finals like which is the southern california circuit and like scpa prelims like, i remember there's just like so many shows in a row where i was like damn like, that was like really good, like early in the season, too. I was, like, <laughs> you know, because it's like, even like, I mean, you know, you're in good drum it's like, even like, you'll have like iffy shows, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, but yeah. I can't ever remember like ever having a bad show with that quad line, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind yeah, mean, of,
1: yeah, it was kind of nice, even so, 10 years yeah. later. People, kids are still learning that that quad yeah. feature. <laughs> it's that like that broken, the 2011 drum one, three.
2: the 2011 one, everybody. Knows too that like the one's like you know what I'm talking about like starts oh uh, like, yeah yeah like, from the the, uh,
1: the the paper aeroplane show yeah yeah, through, to, yeah 2011 yeah
2: I feel like every time I'm like running audition or like something like that everybody's like at least one person's playing that like I'm like how do you what it's like ten years old like <laughs> <laughs> so funny
1: why did he keep breaking his drum three did was that just like I'm gonna break this
2: I don't know he's just a beast
1: because <laughs> Jeremy. Jeremy taught Nick and Scott, right, at La Quinta?
2: He did, yeah. He taught a lot of good people. He taught Nick and Scott, and then this dude, uh, Andrew Verdusco, who marched RCC 2010, 2011. He marched Blue Devils 2011 and 12 or something. I don't know, something like that. So he, Jeremy taught like four Blue Devil like by himself, basically. It was like, yeah. That guy was crazy. I don't know. There's like been this like running theme, like, recently in socal that it's like oh man quad lines like aren't as good as they used to be or whatever there's like a they called it the great quad drought i heard some people (laughs) say it's like you know it's like man you know the talent isn't as good as it is and every time anybody asks me like what's up i just say it's because jeremy doesn't teach anymore like you know what i mean it took let me put it this way when i was marching like so 2010 rcc there was jeremy summers right and then he he taught nick who was in the quad line he taught scott who was in the quad line he taught andrew who was in the quad line right so four of those people were jeremy or were taught by jeremy you know what I mean? <laughs> and then i myself had to be taught by two blue devils and march like four years of drum corps to even get close to where they were you know what i mean it was like so whatever he was teaching them and the way he was teaching them was working you know what i mean it was like I, that dude, he was incredible man yeah it's like there used to
1: be videos on youtube of like their high school indoor and it's just like the snares are playing it's like oh okay this is pretty good and then it's like the quad play like a so was like five minutes long you're like what the <laughs> hell <is that>? yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, i hope yeah, it's- that there's like the best, it
2: was like the best high school quad line ever existed i'm pretty sure probably uh, there's, there's yeah. some good there's, there's some good dartmouth quad lines though for yeah. sure yeah 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 like I'm pretty sure there was one year where like two of the dudes marched cadets or something at Dartmouth and they they were yeah, shit. Wouldn't quads. surprise <laughs> me. Yeah, it was like two quads and they were both cadets. Was, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I don't know. Gary for sure was like he just had the Midas touch, you know. Like anybody, he taught even myself. It was like I, you know, I stood next to him, taught with him, or not so I was taught by him, and then also marched with him several years. It was just like every time I was just like learned so much from that guy,
1: you know. It's like crazy. I've heard he just about, like, yeah, I've he was crazy. Things like incredible things
2: yeah he's just like super humble and smart and nice and like had a really good mindset and a really good way to approach it. and he's very consistent with his and not just his playing but with his like his mindset too you know there was never yeah. a day where he was down or angry or upset or anything he was always consistently Jeremy. you know what i mean it was like it was kind of crazy you know so which is like pretty important you know I mean, if you, you want to drum consistently you got to
0: have your, your head on right you know definitely the mental game is super important and uh, uh, Jeremy taught the quad line at Bluecoats in two thousand twelve. My age out summer when I was there playing snare drum, and he, even even the few times where he would like work with the snares on something when the snare techs were busy or whatever down on the field, yeah. like I could just tell, I was like, this guy has it figured out. Like yep. he's he knows what he's talking about, and I should listen to every word that he's saying <laughs> right now.
2: <laughs> exactly.
0: I heard a story that like Sean
1: Vega got pretty emotional when uh, when Jeremy aged out of RCC. Oh, totally something like that That just, yeah. I mean he'd been around for so long
2: yeah exactly I mean I feel like everybody kind of did it was like you know he was definitely was like a it was for sure was a great loss you know what I mean like, that's not like he died or something but yeah just like made like a huge chunk of talent not in the line anymore you know what I mean yeah. and not just talent but like a leader too you know what I mean uh-huh. like I so when I went to RCC 2010 was after Blue Devils 2009 right and I had been the center at Blue Devils and then I went back to rcc where jeremy was the center and i was like this is sick like i can just like all i have to worry about is playing with that guy and he takes care of everything else you know I mean? it's like <laughs> you know it's like i don't have to worry about anybody messing up or whatever. i just play clean with him you know it's like i have zero
1: responsibility up. other than myself
0: yeah
2: exactly
0: and i know he has like a he's a he's married has a family and stuff now i think had a one kid at least maybe more i don't know yeah. what he's doing for work or anything now but huh. i know
2: i think he was uh doing like some kind of corrections stuff or something like that or i don't know something somewhat law enforcement-y but not exactly hmm. i don't know but right on right on i'm jeremy, sure whatever you... he's i'm sure whatever he's doing is the best in the world <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> jeremy if you ever listen to this we'll have you on for an episode just reach yeah, out absolutely what's
1: in the water what's the sauce yeah uh what's your secret you kind of uh brought this up a little bit ago previously about like the the great switch almost kind of overnight mm-hmm. um between like the late 90s to early 2000s quad drumming i wanted to yeah. bring it back here just it seemed like there was a shift in what people were trying to look like and do as far as like the quad arounds like oh we're gonna play quads not like snare on quads yeah like, exactly more creative with their rounds like we're gonna move around in a different yeah. fashion And that's probably a lot more nuanced than what I know because I don't play quads and I've never played quads. I teach, I teach young, young kids how to play quads at (laughs) like a high school level. But at that
2: point it's like, you just got to get their feet in time and their hands in time and have them play with like, yeah, I'm like, (laughs) if
1: you, if you can play on drum one and two, then we can figure the rest out. What do you think? Like, in your opinion, like changed? Was it like the technique? Was it the patterns moving around the drums? Was it just like the stylization of how you play it? Just people using the quads in a different manner than facilitating a the snare book, or, or I don't know. It, it has changed, I think. So,
2: oh, definitely. Yeah, I think, I mean, a lot of it is kind of has to do with what we were talking about earlier with the zones. Like, I feel like I don't, I'm not sure when that came about exactly like the specific quad zones, not just like the zones, like your set position on like one and two but also like the scrape zones and stuff like that. And like the way you cross over, play scrapes and stuff like that. I don't feel like that didn't really come about until like the late nineties. It had to have been. I'm not exactly sure, but I feel like once that happened, there was like a little bit of shift into not just thinking about like playing the quads, but also playing them efficiently. You know what I mean? And having like a consistent approach from one drum onto the around and being able to try to keep the same heights as you would have on one drum, even when you're playing like some more difficult around. Um But also like I was saying too, I think. T- have a big part of it too you know what I mean it's like playing with sticks you obviously they feel different than mallets so it's going to change how you play you know what I mean like I like I personally like quad mallets but the only problem I had with them is that you can't practice them with them not on quads you know what I mean like you can't <laughs> use them on a practice pad so it was always like why am I using like a different like implement to practice as I am to play you know it's kind of like weird um, I've always
1: the mallets have like a lot more
2: rebound than oh yeah yeah it makes it like a lot easier to move around the drums i feel like, it, like everything it just like bounces like way more it's like you know because like, they're more top heavy you know what i mean so like yeah it makes like getting over the rims a lot easier too but like i feel like once you start playing with sticks in it the style is going to change a little bit you know it becomes more like almost like Timbalesque esque you know what i mean more Timbaland-esque and drum set-esque related, you know what I mean? Versus like, here's some weird cookie mallets that, right? You know, like, sound like anything else, you know? So I, mean, I think that's part of it. You know, you, too. You look at there's like a lot of emphasis on like, the the look, like posture too. You know, like how people are standing. Like that's kind of normal nowadays. But I feel like you look at the like, mid '90s quad lines and they're all like, you know, what I mean? they got like that hunched Taser over. Taser neck. Like, yeah, exactly. And then it wasn't until, like, you know, early 2000s that they started, like, staying, like, straight up, you know, like, looking, like, tall, I guess. I always um, just
1: imagine quad drummers being tall. They're all tall to me. Yeah, definitely. A lot, it, a lot of it, too, uh, just from a snare drummer's perspective is that people these days playing quads, and it, I think it started in these early 2000s, like, BD and stuff, spend a lot more time crossed over than, like, And they used to. (laughs) And they used to. Here's a crossover, like, oh, we'll play a paradiddle and crossover the right hand on drum four and, like, that sort of thing. But now they'll, like, move the left over to, like, drum three and, like, spend a lot of time moving between, like, two, four, two, four, eight inch or something like that. And so they just spend a lot more time doing different things.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, their rounds have evolved as well, you know, just, like, over time. I mean, people, you know, you get, people get more creative every time they build upon what the previous generation did, you know what I mean? So it's like, I wonder who the first person was like, we're going to cross over the hands. So it was like, whoa, you know what I mean? And now it's just like, it's like, you know, it's a crossover, you know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know. But yeah, Did, totally. did you guys have a lot of
1: Liberty uh, within the groups that you were at, like BD and RCC to like, all right, this is the, this is the skeleton. Like, mm. w- what do you got?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, yes and no, I guess there's like, I feel like sometimes, you know, we would try to put stuff in. It honestly, it almost like had to do with like how well we played the first rep. Like, if we've like changed the part and we made it harder, if we played the shit out of it the first time and like, you know, uh, like Scojo or like Sean Vega noticed it, they'd be like, all right, okay, cool. But if it was just like awful, it's like, nope, that's not happening in quads. You know, so it's like, <laughs> we would like try some stuff that, you know, didn't end up making it. Um, I don't know. It's just, I guess. Um, as far as like, RCC yeah like I feel like we did it was like Sean would like have a lot of like usually like the quad breaks would be like have Sean parts and then it would have like blank parts It'd be like you know Jeremy make something up or like you know and then we would like fill that in and then maybe he would have a part written on one drum and then it would be like a round, with like a question mark or something you know what I mean so so yeah no and then there was some stuff where he like specifically had like it was like Sean ideas so it's like this is what's gonna it's gonna be you know what I mean so I guess yeah, kind of depend. We had I feel like we maybe had more freedom than most groups, but there were some times where we definitely overstepped those freedom, <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like, nope, was that ain't happening, in quads. <laughs> sure. On
1: ensembles like really, that's what you came up with.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, so, I guess you took a hiatus, like you said previously in this podcast, for like ten years where you didn't play drum set, but mm-hmm. then. Off- obviously now you play a lot of drum set. Yeah. Um What sort of crossover happened between like marching quads and like the skill sets that you learned and mastered and crafted over like those 10 years facilitated you to like pick it up quickly or maybe quicker than you would have without it and just like apply that to playing the kit? I
2: mean... Yeah, like I was saying earlier, it's like, well, I'm the kind of person, like when I do something, I'm like either like all into it or I'm not, you know? So like now that I'm aged out, I'm like all into drum set, you know? And so it's like, I play, you know, almost every day pretty much for like a couple hours probably. Um So yeah, I mean, I think there is a lot like, of cross, crossover, not like actual crossovers, but you know, things that apply to drum set from the marching world and vice versa, actually. Like I feel like playing drum set a lot has made me a better quad drummer, even though I don't actually play quads that often. If that makes sense, I don't know. Um, I think it makes yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, at least like you know, I might not be able to play like the, the as quite as oh, almost dropped my phone. I might not be able to play like quite as difficult of a rounds as I maybe used to, but I don't know. I, I definitely have more chops, you know. I, just, I guess I'm also older, so I've just been constantly improving things too, you know. So efficiency. Exactly. Yeah. Just get refine the technique, you know, get more relaxed, more efficient. Uh, but I think that is part of it too, is like in marching stuff, you focus more on, a lot, there's a lot more emphasis on the downstroke, you know, like stopping the stick, playing with two heights and stuff. Whereas drum set, it's like, yeah, it's important, but it's also not, you know, it's like, I'm the only person playing. So if I, if my like downstroke is slightly, of, you know it like rebounds a little bit it's like not a big deal you know what I mean? it's like obviously you want to have refined heights for dynamics and stuff of course but like i feel like since i play drum set i've become a lot more efficient with my technique i don't stop the stick like nearly as much you know i, re- I try to let everything rebound as much as i can when i can you know um
1: it's like much more about like the rhythmic accuracy than maybe like yeah the in a person to person because that's not a thing
2: yeah it's not a thing it's like i just gotta sound good with myself so who cares if the heights or whatever they are you know what i mean it's like um and then i just let my i've kind of let my technique become more adaptable you know it's like some days like i'll play more french or some days i'll play you know another way or whatever you know it's just like whatever it feels good whereas i think like when i was marching i was very like set in stone with like this is what my hands are you know like this is what they look like yeah which it was kind of nice because it was like I knew I knew my technique through and through. But now it's like, I feel like some days I'm just like, oh, I don't know, this feels kind of weird. Oh, okay, that feels better. You know, it's like, but um, I don't know. And then I just like try to play everything as relaxed as possible now, which you should still do when you're marching. But I feel like you get caught up in the way things look sometimes. Definitely. And that creates unnecessary tension. You know what I mean? It's like to make something look a certain way, you have to f- sometimes force your body to do something that's slightly unnatural. In theory, you should not be doing that, but it doesn't always work out. I think,
1: well, yeah, I think to that point, too, groups are getting less or they're getting more away from, like, does everyone's heights match? And yeah, yeah. More on, like, does everyone's sound match? Which I'm 100% for. Um, there's no way that all the heights are always going to match and the sound always going to match. That's just not not physiologically possible but exactly. with the drum set too to call back you had mentioned like so much time with pete like drilling grids yeah. into into like your feet but now obviously it's the same concept but a little bit different like you're not doing quarter notes with your feet all the time but yeah. there is a sense of pulse that stays the same while moving and shifting throughout these like hemiola or like over the bar line rhythms and stuff like that. So, totally
2: well. And yeah, like if I'm going to work on like a foot, like independence thing or something, I'll pretty much always play the grids on top of it first. You know what I mean? It's like if I'm going to play like a samba or something, I'll play like a samba with my feet, do, 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 and then I'll play like 16th grid on top of that, you know? <laughs> um Or like try to play triple grid or whatever, you know what I mean? So, I still like almost always will play those, even if I'm just like, you know, trying to work on them independently. But you're right, it's like. I feel like before the the marching thing really helped me to understand timing better than I feel like I ever really would have without it. You know what I mean, like micro timing and how to actually play with the met. I feel like I didn't really know how to play with the met until I like, started marching. You know, what I mean? like it was like I kind of played with the met, but not actually with the met. If that makes sense. It was like, <laughs> the met was happening, and my Get stuff was the met was happening. And my stuff was happening around the right time, but it wasn't really at the right time
1: you know (laughs) for sure for sure playing with a met is undervalued in today's world i played i played with this track i was like well okay
2: but with the met (laughs) yeah you can do both both, you know they're both important exactly yes they both both have their benefits yep um and i mean obviously like you know rudiment stuff like totally applies you know like if you can't like sometimes it's like i guess it just depends on how creative you are you know i mean it's like you can make Inverted flam taps into a groove if you're creative enough, you know what I mean? Or like a fill. And then there's some stuff where it's like I play it, and I'm like, I don't know if that would ever work, but then it's like maybe I'm just not thinking of it the right way, you know? It's like So that,
0: that that's something I know. I checked out a couple of your drum set videos, Evan sent me links to before we did this, and I noticed there was a lot of overlap in the rudimental space. Like you apply you play a lot of paradidal diddles, like yeah. a lot of paradiddle room rudiments moving around the kit and Mm -hmm. it's funny I I always try it strikes me when I see someone do that a lot because I remember purposely like there was a you know Pat Petrillo is oh yeah yeah, of course all right he went to Moorhead State way back in the day so he came and did like a a drum set clinic and I wasn't a music student but I still went just because he's a good famous drummer and you know wanted to go see what was going on and I noticed when he was doing the clinic he didn't really play a whole lot of rudiments and Mm if any at all really, like he's a phenomenal drum set player and has the pocket just like locked. Yeah, Yeah. he can. But so I asked him, I was like, do you ever apply any of the rudimental stuff from when you were marching? And he goes, nope, not really. And I was like, it's just so funny how you some person can apply a ton of it and be a really good drum set player and somebody could not really need or want to use any of it. And they're still just like both phenomenal at what they do. It's such a... I think
2: think the difference is in the style. Yeah. You know, like, pat is yeah he's like you're saying he's phenomenal but he plays more like pop and like rock kind of stuff like more like uh-huh. you know beatles kind of sounding stuff where it's like you can't imagine ringo star ripping a bunch of paradiddles <laughs> you, know, I mean, like, you know what I mean? it like, wouldn't sound right so it's like if he was to do that it wouldn't fit the style you know what i mean yeah whereas if i'm like playing like a death a death metal thing and i just like, like play some quarter notes it's not gonna fit the style you know what i mean right, so it's right. like well i guess whatever you're doing has to fit into the context of what you're trying to do you know yeah i mean that uh, makes perfect sense yeah yeah what's so, a handful of those
1: videos one was the the drum center
0: um finalist, oh, guitar center the,
1: the guitar, the center. The guitar yeah, center. Yeah. oh yeah the guitar center uh which what did you finish by the way
2: well you don't get like a specific place uh okay. but I made it to the final five you know it's like the way it worked uh, they don't do it anymore but the way it used to work was like each store had like a it's store kind of competition then you went to like a like a kind of like a district or like county kind of store final thing then you went to like a regional which was like your west coast and then there was like a you know southern uh, i think there's like a midwest or something like a you know uh northeast or something and then if you won that one then you went to like the final round so once i got to the final round there was five people and then it's like you either win it or you lose it you know and so it's not like they're like oh you got like second or, oh, or right, i gotcha yeah
1: but um, it was just like it was pretty refreshing because i, I I know that it's probably a little bit more expanding on like the style that you play for your bands, but mm-hmm. I could just tell from your background and like marching percussion and stuff, the like layering choices that you made were very evident in like the arrangement mm-hmm. and stuff and like the dynamic things like, Oh, I'm going to change up this or change up this, like using like your hand and stuff like that. And yeah. I was just like, man, the, the timbres were just very, very like, I don't know, multi-functioning, And I was just like, I can, I can definitely tell that there's like a a very good marriage of your drum core history and like marching experience with like your drum set ability to just like obviously crossing over at times and like moving around with like the paradiddle diddles and like the, the independence and stuff like that. So it
2: was pretty sweet. Yeah, dude. Thanks man. I appreciate it. You know, and that was something when I was doing it as I wanted to, I knew, I knew I wanted to use the little octopad thing, that little electronic pad, like, as little as possible. So I was trying to be like, all right, how can I be this as creative and cool as possible without, like, using that? Overusing it. Yeah. yeah, because, like, the previous, like, couple winners had used it, like, so much. And I was like – I could tell people were kind of sick of it. Like, every time I would go on, like, YouTube comments, I would see people like, oh, get rid of that freaking pad, you know, like, stuff like that. So I was like, you know, I was I kind of agreed. I was like, it seems like – it was just, like, it ended up being people, people playing, like, you know – basic grooves while playing a melody on the octopad which is like cool
1: but it's, but it's also not really
2: like, yeah and it gets old like after you see somebody do it 20 times you know what I mean? it's like all right i got it so i was trying to like avoid using that thing and it ended up working out you know i feel like i kind of stood out that dude ear, you
1: know? the uh, the youtube comments on that would agree with you
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah everybody's
1: <laughs> well, like thank god
2: you didn't use the octopad that much yeah and i was like the only one that, that barely use it uh and the funny thing is, the next year of the competition—I think was the last year they did it. But, anyways, the next year they took it out totally. So I was definitely a little bit ahead of the curve or curve, whatever, I guess. <laughs> Sick.
1: Yeah. Well, man, to kind of like I guess wrap this up, uh, yeah. I'll give you a chance. Like I know you play in a few different, a uh, few different bands and stuff now, and have been doing the social media and the quad drum set duets with yourself. Oh, what yeah. all have you got like cooking right now or working on?
2: uh i mean i got so okay so i play in a band called enterprise earth it's like a deathcore, kind of you know death metal thing we got an album coming out i already recorded it. i recorded it in january okay it's coming out in october i believe so that's kind of in the works i mean it's already done it's out of my hands but now yeah, it's just a wait. yeah well it's already mixed and now it's just like you know all the other logistical stuff like getting it to the label they gotta like make vinyls they gotta you know whatever like we gotta approve the artwork and like you know all that kind of stuff um so yeah that'll be out in october i think we're gonna start releasing songs in like june like singles you know what i mean like one single a month or something like that yeah um yeah and i got my puppy in another it's like a prog rock band i'm gonna track an ep for them it's coming up soon it's called axis nova is the name of the band uh so be on the lookout for that it's kind of like basically it's like dream if dream theater made like video game music is what it is so that's that's our goal with it basically i love that yeah so the the idea for that is like you know like give too much away but it's like we're gonna we're doing like a half hour long or so ep like i think it's five songs and um, one of the dudes is gonna animate like a full eight-bit video game like music video for the whole thing so that's really that's cool uh, yeah, yeah we'll check that out for sure <laughs> so, and it's all like instrumental like prog rock stuff so there's no vocals or anything it's all just like Kind of like it's supposed to be like a video game soundtrack, is our goal, you know. So uh, if Dream Theater made a video game soundtrack without vocals, basically, kind of that kind of stuff, and then, um, yeah, I mean, that's about it, like specifically, uh, that I got going on right now, just you know, doing the social media thing,
0: um, holding it down, just
2: trying to, yeah, trying to make that happen,
0: cool stuff, you know, cool, yeah, sick. Well, Thanks. this has been great. That was the fastest hour and 13 minutes of my life, I think, flew by <laughs> in super enjoyable conversation. So uh, thanks for hanging out. I'll do, do a little outro, and then we'll wrap this sucker up. So everybody, I'm not going to repeat the whole spiel from earlier. Hit subscribe, share the video, like, join the conversation in the comments on YouTube, um, social media, Instagram, Facebook, patreon.com for financial support, lonestarpercussion.com, code out save yourself some money. Brandon, this has been phenomenal, and we will see everybody in the next one. All right. Thank you. Peace. Yep.